Are you ready for the most informative, well-thought-out hockey podcast on the internet? You are? Sorry. It's just Crown Conversations with your hosts, Robin P. and James Nicholson. Hello and welcome to a very sad edition of Crown Conversations. Joining me and James today is, of course, Sarah. Sarah, thank you for joining us today. I have emerged from my sadness hole in order to join you on the show. Well, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sadness hole is what I call my bathroom. (laughs) Hey, you don't know my life. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, everyone's really that broken up over the Alex Iafalo extension. I'm still, I'm still like ha- tra- traumatized from you know Mike Amadio. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, I'm really glad we have a, such a good forum to discuss Christian Wolan and and his <laughs> play thus far. Elite, <laughs> elite. <laughs> uh, but but really, we're all sad about Jeff Carter. Wait, who? Hey, He's not dead. He's just in Pittsburgh. Like, is that where we're going here? Yeah, I guess. I guess. I mean, I I know who I'm rooting for for the Stanley Cup playoffs now because the Kings won't be in it. I can't bring myself to root for Pittsburgh. I'm very sorry, Jeff. Uh, I want him to have personal success. I just want the Penguins to not have any success at all as a team. I feel like that was my feeling about Vegas whenever they traded Alec Martinez there last year. I was like, I want Alec Martinez to be happy and have success and have a good time. But I, I don't want Vegas to ever experience anything nice. So I, I, I definitely get that feeling. <laughs> Listen, Sisney Crosby has, I don't know, what, four rings now? It's Three. fine. He doesn't need any more. He, he, he can take a chill pill. Yeah. Well, uh, just to quickly recap the trade, Jeff Carter goes to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, for a 2022 conditional third round pick and a 2023 conditional fourth round pick. Uh, The third can become a second if the Penguins reach the Stanley Cup final this year and if Jeff Carter plays in at least half of the games. And the fourth round pick becomes a third round pick if uh, Jeff Carter plays in at least 50 games next season. So the Kings, they got some draft picks. They they did a thing, at least. And they extend Alex Iafalo. And that's cool. And I think, yeah, the Kings now have... Uh, I mean, they, they have a lot of picks in this upcoming draft, which apparently is going to be very difficult for all the teams involved because none of the players who are draft eligible, have played it all this year. Oh. Um, so that's why, especially for this trade deadline, we saw a lot of 2022 draft picks. 
being traded. Um, but yeah, now uh, now Yin's rooting for the Berg there. I mean, I texted my mom last night and was like, hey, mom, you just got my favorite king. And she actually is very astute in her in her hockey knowledge. And she was like, I always liked that Jeff Carter. So, you know, my my mom is excited about it and I'm excited for my mom. Uh, so I, I, of all, like, it's one of those things, like on a personal level, I hated the trade, but also I liked it because at least he went to a team that I like because I grew up with the Penguins. You know, if he had gone to some other team that, I mean, there aren't really many teams in the league that I just could not root for under any circumstances, but he at least went to a team that I'm like, oh, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. I mean, He's going to fit. I mean, I feel like anytime a veteran goes to a team like Pittsburgh, there is a role. Like there mm-hmm. is a definite game plan for that player. Like there, there's a clear purpose provided. Like no one's going to be surprised by, you know, anything. No one's Jeff Carter's not going to be in over his head. I think is what I'm trying to say. It's going to be, uh, really obvious what's expected of him and i think you know obviously with ron hextall having been the assistant gm when the kings traded for jeff carter in 2012 from columbus having that familiarity with him yeah yeah like there's going to be a a good level of familiarity there and he even said today i made the trade for jeff carter to reward the players for playing so good lately. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um and, and they have played great, all of which without Evgeny Malkin. Um, or Brandon Tanev, or Kasperi Kapanen. Um like they've been on a really they've been on a tear lately, and it's been pretty fun and impressive. And I'm I'm excited to watch third line jeff carter in the playoffs like i was talking with um the the host of locked on penguins the the where i do other podcasting stuff and he was kind of comparing it to uh when the penguins got matt cullen a couple of years ago Mm -hmm. um kind of a different kind of player but sort of that same you know we're just shoring up our depth with a guy who's been there and done everything and seen everything uh, and it, it's kind of a similar profile of, he, you know, they're, they're not acquiring a guy to go out there and be everything. They're not expecting Jeff Carter to suddenly score 50 goals down the last like two weeks of the season or whatever. He, he's very much a complimentary piece, which I think will work for him and will work for, for Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh is a team where you blink and there's six guys on the roster you've never heard of who all put up 30 goals a season because they're playing by Sidney Crosby. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of young guys and Pittsburgh doesn't exactly have like a deficit of leadership. They've, they've definitely got a lot of strong characters in that room, but I feel like, you know, the, the one thing that we keep hearing about Jeff Carter right now is how important he was for the young players in, in the Kings room and, helping them adjust to being a pro and all that stuff. Uh, so I, I feel like he will certainly find ways to keep himself busy uh, in Pittsburgh with uh, their roster made up of Sidney Crosby and some guys. Yeah, no. And like, I'm looking at their roster right now and right now, um, 
Jake Gensel's only 26. He seems like he's so much older. Um, Jared McCann's 24. Zach Aston Reese is 26. Radim Zahorna is 24. Teddy Bluger's 26. Sam Lafferty's 26. Freddie uh, Goudreau is 27. Mark Jankowski is 26. Evan Rodriguez is 27. Like that Ford group has a lot of like mid 20s guys. And I feel like if Jeff Carter is on a line with any of those guys, that becomes a better line. Um, and it makes sense. Oh, by the way, did you need to get in an ad for Built Bar since you mentioned your other podcast, Sarah? I will keep that to myself, but they are delicious. That sounded really fake, Sarah. No, they're seriously delicious. I buy them all the time. Like any money that I have gotten, like residual ad money, I swear to God, goes right back into Bill Park. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, do you guys? I mean, obviously, there is the sadness that we lost the most handsome king of all time. Um, Just devastated. Yeah. How do you guys feel about what Rob Blake did with the trade deadline? For me, I go back to thinking about the tweet that Sarah sent out from Locked On the other day. I don't remember if it was when they were beating the Sharks or when they were losing to the Sharks the day before. But you mentioned Sarah... Um, imagine that if they had just won like three of those games against the Sharks, this would be a totally different trade deadline. And I'm thinking, yeah, when when a couple of those games against Minnesota, when one or two more of those games against the Sharks, do we still lose Jeff Carter? I mean, what do what does this team look like come today? Mm-hmm had they actually managed to win anything instead of trying to repeat 20, 2015 in all its failing glories. Yeah. I, I feel like as much as Pittsburgh acquiring Jeff Carter was a reward for their players, I feel like had the Kings just knocked out a couple more of those wins and were maybe just out of that playoff spot or, you know, just clinging to it or whatever, keeping Jeff Carter could have been a reward for the play. Like, you know, you want him down the stretch. You don't want to, you know, you don't necessarily know that your young guys are going to fill that spot in the playoffs. Like maybe we would have seen, you know, I follow walk or something like it, I, the what if like butterfly effect game is crazy, but yeah, like just looking at the standings, they're so tight that just like three or four more wins would have had this whole picture be completely different for the Kings. And I, I think that's the most frustrating part because I don't know that we anticipated them going to the, the playoffs this year, but we certainly expected to not be sitting around at the end of the season being like, well, that was fun. Like time to just check out until the next season starts. We you know, kind of hoped it'd be a little more competitive, but uh, it, it, it is what it is, I guess. I mean, I, I'm not really surprised at all with it. Um, you know, it sounded like the Penguins had approached the Kings a few weeks ago about Jeff Carter. And like when Rob Blake brought it up, he's like, Jeff Carter nixed it out of respect to Jeff Carter. And then, you know, I guess the Pens asked again. And, you know, Jeff Carter kind of thought about it, I guess, and said, hey, playing with Sidney Crosby's pretty cool, I guess. 
And, um, you know, I, I, there was tweets last night that, you know, the players were saying their goodbyes to Jeff Carter. And uh, I, I think first answer that the thing about what I think about how Rob Blake handled the trade deadline. I'm not surprised. I kind of figured it was going to be something like this. Um, I, I think if you wanted to see them make a push for the playoffs, I think you were, uh, yeah, you weren't paying attention to the way the team's been playing lately. I think we see the big trade, if there is one to be made, happen in the off season, maybe on the day of the draft. Um, I think in terms of, of the Jeff Carter and the teammates saying goodbye, it's kind of crazy that people don't realize what a good teammate Jeff Carter is. And, you know, maybe this goes back to, you know, the whole dry Island catastrophe thing. <laughs> um, where I think there was, you know, and like there was plenty of pictures from back in the day of him and Mike Richards partying, um, getting into, you know, nonsense and such. But I, I mean, Jeff Carter, is a guy who I think was really well respected by the guys around him for being a professional, for being somebody who was reliable on and off the rink. Um, you know, if you remember in the, was it the 2014 or the 2015 year where Mike Richards actually gets sent down to Manchester? Mm-hmm. Like 2014. Jeff- yeah, Jeff Carter picks him up at from the airport when he's called back up. You know, like, yeah, they had the bromance thing going. They were they were best pals. But also, you know, uh, even during the pandemic, we saw like Alex Iafalo flying his drone with toilet paper to Jeff Carter's roof. Mm-hmm. You know, like he was great with the camaraderie. He was great to have in the locker room. And, you know, those are things that that teams like down the stretch Um, because when you're in the NHL playoffs and you know you are likely going to need an operation in a matter of weeks and you don't know if it's going to be worth it for you know maybe not winning the Stanley Cup having a guy next to you who can keep your spirits high goes a pretty darn long way Um, because these guys NHL players their bodies get so just like it, it's unreal what they put their bodies through. Like I, I was lucky enough to have snuck into the the party after they won the cup in 2014. Oh, um, the only intern not given a wristband to the party, um, <laughs> not, not bitter, but I got in there and like just watching all those guys like try to party and dance and like, <laughs> But like, still obviously in pain. It, it was mind blowing to see. Um, yeah, and yeah. So, you know, Jeff Carter is thirty six, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, that's asking a lot of a thirty six year old to go through that again, to put his body through that again. And I don't think he would have been down to do it if he didn't think he had a really good shot at a Stanley Cup this year. 
and next year potentially. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people, if you don't follow the Kings particularly, um, their knowledge of Jeff Carter is frozen in about 2011, 2012 (laughs) or so. Like everyone just still thinks of him as the party dude. And I like, I don't know how to explain to people who don't watch this team and who have no reason to have kept up with Jeff Carter, like that. He is just like a boring dad now. Like he is not, whatever happened, he like something clicked and he grew up, you know, and, and he is not that same player who was getting into shenanigans and who was visibly like disgruntled in Columbus. Like he, he has gotten the respect of all of the guys around him and, you know, I just think about how, you know, whenever uh, Jared Anderson Dolan was first kind of coming up that that one season where he only played a handful of games, and then they sent him back to juniors. And, you know, Jeff Carter just had like glowing words to say about uh, Jared Anderson Dolan and even compared him to Mike Richards, which I was like, I need a moment after that one. Um, <laughs> but but, you know, I, I think that a lot of people just think of him as that guy who got himself traded out of Philadelphia for whatever. And I think that they, they don't realize how much he has changed as a person. And I think that, you know, we, we also heard from him at the beginning of the season that he was like, this is the first time I've been fully healthy in years because of the long layoff because of COVID and everything. And I, I think that people still really underestimate how, how much damage that ankle injury a couple of years ago did to him and his skating and when skating is your game, like that is what he is known for. Of course, you're going to look bad. And of course, people are going to spend the next two seasons trying to get you traded because you look terrible uh, because you're not playing on a healthy leg uh, and you have to relearn how to how to play, basically. So I, I think a lot of people, um, you know, I, I, I have no shame in being a like Jeff Carter apologist or whatever. Uh, but I, I think a lot of people just don't really realize the full picture of who he is as a player and just see him as like the party guy or whatever. Yeah. I I mean, like the way the media portrayed him and Mike Richards way back when, like it was pretty vicious and those guys really, uh, it changed how they handled the press. It changed how they talked with reporters and you know, there, there were more than a few times where I saw reporters ask, hey, can we talk to Richie? Hey, can we talk to Carts? And the PR staff would have to come out and be like, oh, sorry, they're working out. Or, oops, they are already gone. Like, they, they specifically didn't feel like talking. But when the Kings took away the C from Dustin Brown, um, it's still mind blowing that they didn't give Dustin Brown an A at least, but that A instead went to Jeff Carter. Like that's how well thought of he was by the team, by the executives, by everybody in the organization. And yeah, now I I would assume Dustin Brown gets the A um, again, but who the heck even knows? I mean, if he doesn't, we riot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah no they'll give it to brendan lemieux oh, oh jesus uh, one last thing on the, the carter um you know sarah you talked about how like he everybody's kind of stuck in 2011 2012 of their feelings on jeff carter but 
what do you expect when you give 20 year olds like 10 mm-hmm. million dollars? Yeah, I would have been a mess. I would have been absolutely a mess. And I was the most boring 20 year old <laughs> ever. And I still would have like just been like, I don't know what to do with my money. I actually knew rich kids in college, like long story, but I knew kids who just had way too much wealth, like not professional athlete wealth, but whatever. And like legitimately one of them would wander around the bar, like when we were out and just would buy drinks for like the whole bar and would be shouting, I don't know what to do with my money because he had no concept of like how to be an adult in that way. And like, yeah, of course, of course you're going to go off the rails if you're a millionaire at the age of 20 and you're playing a professional sport and people want to like hang out with you and be with you and whatever. Like, I don't, you know, of course, of course all that happened. I'm sorry. That is such a painful story, Sarah. Like that physically hurts me. I mean, it, it it was, it was that, that individual was a wild, wild person. (laughs) I don't know what to do with my money. Oh, I just, oh, give it to me. Just give it to me. <laughs> That's what you should have told them. Just give it to me. I'll yeah, right. It, I'll keep it safe for you. I mean, this the same thing was was said of, of Tyler Sagan in Boston. I mean, it is a very similar situation. He landed in Dallas, and by all accounts, it seems like he's really grown up over the last several years. Sorry, James, but guys are notoriously slow to mature emotionally. Like, especially no! when... <laughs> I mean, especially you have guys like Carter and Richards and Sagan who were the best players on their teams for so long. They've been treated as like demigods since they were, I don't know, 14 years old. What do you expect them to do when you hand them essentially a blank check? <laughs> like, uh. yeah, yeah, no, I, I get it. And I mean, I'm going to miss Jeff Carter being a king. And, uh, you know, it's weird that he's not a king. And he has been for almost 10 years. Um, you know, I think especially this year, talking about like, oh, we only have five guys left in the cups. And, you know, the, the, the way time marches on and uh, things change, it's a bit of a bummer. It's, you know, bittersweet. But, um, I mean, I, I really hope that Jeff Carter freaking tears it up in Pittsburgh and then, you know, they take the Stanley cup down Carson street and see what kind of shenanigans they can get into. I would legitimately book a plane. I would, I would just drive home. I'd just drive home and go to that. Like, no shame. I, I, I would admit it right here. If Pittsburgh somehow manages to win a Stanley Cup with Jeff Carter on the roster, I'm freaking going back to Pittsburgh. <laughs> I may have to, like, I don't know, go with you and, <laughs> and just sneak into your luggage. And, and I mean, I'm already fully prepared for whenever the first Penguins-Kings game in L.A. next year. Um, I'm... Listen, I, I came out to L.A. for the first time that uh, Mike Richards and, and uh, Justin Williams both came back when they were on the Capitals. I specifically flew out to L.A. for that game. I will 1000 percent. I will see you guys there <laughs> fly out whenever the Penguins come to town. <laughs> <next season. laughs> I yes. like it. Yes. Um, how do we all feel about Alex? I follow being extended for four years. It's fine. Like. 
I kind of felt they extended him maybe one year too many. I thought maybe two to three would have been better, but eh. yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. I think that, you know, is that contract maybe going to look a little ugly in year four? Maybe we don't, you know, who, who knows what his game is going to look like. I think he's what 27 as well. Yes. Uh, you know, four years from now he's in his thirties, which is just wowed. He was like a child last time I checked. And now we're thinking about Alex Iafalo being 30. Um, oh. You know, but like, I, I think that he, I don't hate it. And by the time it becomes a problem, I like, it's just going to be so far in the future that they'll figure out something else to do. Like, it's not, it's not the end of the world. I'm sure that the term was probably the sticking point between the two sides. I, I imagine the Kings probably maybe wanted to go shorter as well, but at the end of the day, they got it done. Um, he and Kopitar play together so well. I know people hate it because they're like, Kopitar should have a legitimate scoring winger and maybe they'll find him one finally this okay. offseason. But for right now, like they play together well. Ayafala's offense has been, been getting better every year. And just imagine when the Kings are fully competitive again and maybe he gets bumped down the lineup and now he's your third line winger and he plays like a first line. Like, you know, that that's a good problem to have is oh, we have to bump down this guy who can take down, like, who can take on hard assignments and who we trust in all situations. Like, oh, oops, we had to bump him down the lineup. Like, the the, the Stanley Cup winning Kings teams were so deep, and that's the only way you win is by having a deep team, unless it's the year the, the, the Blackhawks won with, like, Duncan Keith and no other defensemen. That, that's another story. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's a good problem to have of – you know, this guy potentially being bumped down the lineup by other prospects, but he's experienced, he's well-liked in the room and he has a collection of surfboards that he made that I'm sure he did not want to have to move to like, you know, the Ottawa. <laughs> when you look at like other fan bases and you see them like at the trade deadline start going like, Ooh, who do I want on my team? Ooh. Like, who would fit well? Like, looking at a lot of fan bases, a lot of people, like, in Boston, in Toronto, in Montreal, they wanted Alex Iafalo on their team. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, they really wanted him. Because that's the type of player who, to Sarah's point, you need in the playoffs who is not going, you don't have to worry about them screwing up a play. And I think that's the reason why he gets to play with Kopitar mm -hmm. is like Kopitar can trust him to be where he needs to be at all times. There's never a question about what he's doing on the ice. He's like a coach's dream. Um, and yeah, like that's a really nice luxury to have. Sure. Maybe it's a year too long. I'm fine with four years. Um, at four million, it's literally the same exact contract that the Kings pretty much gave Mar Martinez and Muzzin years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, who were in similar positions. It, when you talk about the breakdown of a roster, and you start looking at, uh, in terms of like age tiers, the Kings don't have anyone on their active roster who's in their late twenties. Mm -hmm. like the only other two guys in the organization 
are Martin Furk and I think Daniel Brickley. Yeah, they're not. Uh... Like everyone's <laughs> Sorry, either in their in their mid thirties or like twenty one. Like I think the next oldest guy is like, uh, well, maybe Olimata. How old is well, Olimata? There's the Grease Lightning. Uh, oh, twenty six. You, he's twenty six, and Trevor Moore. Um, yeah, and Sean, Sean Walker. Like, Trevor Moore has been getting better of late, and oh yeah, cheat him. But we'll get back to that later. <laughs> I mean, that's he has that Alex Io follow thing. Like people in Toronto miss Trevor mm-hmm. Moore. Really? Like, yes. They're just like, man, how much fun would he be on our fourth line now, mm-hmm. running around with Jason Spezza? Like, yeah, like because he he's always where he should be. Mm-hmm. And like that goes a long way. Just like. Being smart enough to not screw it up for the other mm-hmm. guys is a really <laughs> valuable thing in the eyes of an NHL coach. Yeah, and I feel like you you need those guys. Like, you know, no offense to Mike Amadio, but he, for good reasons, he got pushed out of the lineup because Jared Anderson Dolan emerged as as a great option. And I think as we see more of these guys step up and emerge as viable NHL players, those fringe guys who you know. All respect to like Austin Wagner or whatever, but no one's going to trade for him. Like he's not going to move the needle for any team that's a competitor or whatever. But like you start moving out those guys because you you finally have the the bodies to put in there who are better players, and you know that that's that's what we're seeing. And we yeah, like Trevor Moore, like you need a guy like that. You know he he's he's feisty. He plays well on that sort of like grindery line but also is providing offense and is getting all those like dirty goals that uh, I feel like we don't always, it's like Dustin Brown gets them and that's kind of it. Um, I, you know, I, I, I think that as we see more of these young guys emerge, those sort of fringe players who were like, Oh, you're fun. But um, what, what exactly would you say you do here? Um, those guys are going to be pushed out of the, the lineup. And once we start seeing some of those kind of in-betweener guys, starting to fall off the Kings are going to be in a much better position because they're going to be a much deeper team than they are right now. You know, I remember when Alex Iafalo first got put on that line with Kopitar, it was very unsettling, but the more he played with Kopitar, the more I liked it because I always called Alex Iafalo a golden retriever. He's going to go into the corners and he's going to go get that puck for you. And he's like, probably at least seven times out of 10, he's going to be the one to go into a puck battle and come out with the puck. And that's, Hey, that's worth $4 million. Isn't it? I think so. I mean, I think that's awesome. Give me that type of player every single day. Um, Cause it, all of that does is it takes pressure off of your star players mm-hmm. and the Kings are going to have star players in a year or two. I mean, besides like Kopitar and <laughs> Kopitar. <laughs> Is there a way that we can clone Kopitar so he can take a little pressure off of Kopitar? That's Why don't we thing. just sign Ryan Getzlaff after this? Ah. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, is he going to play for a million dollars? Like, uh, who knows? <laughs> I talked to a Ducks fan, and he thinks that Getzloff is not going anywhere. He's oh, no. like, no, 
Getzlaff is is not leaving Anaheim. He's too comfortable in Anaheim. He does. He's got his ring. He doesn't care. He wants to shepherd in the next generation or whatever for the Ducks. If they if they get a ring, great. That would be cherry on top. But he's not leaving. He's he's dedicated to Anaheim, which surprised me. I was like, yeah, but what about like all the stuff that Timo said? And it's like, yeah, but that was Timo's beef. Yeah, it's true. You know, Ryan Getzlaff, uh, supposedly the only place he said he would be traded to was Vegas. Um, which, obviously, Bob Murray is still angry that he gave up Shea Theodore. Like, <laughs> it traded away stuff to make sure that Vegas picked Shea Theodore. Like, which is just, it's bonkers. Like, yeah, and but- how did the Ducks trade for Hayden Flurry today? <laughs> they got rid of... Okay, I'm going to totally butcher his name. Hanka Pa'a? Yanni Hakenpa. Yes, thank you. Sarah apparently speaks fluent Finnish. I just hear his name a lot. (laughs) Where? Um, From my Ducks colleague at uh, Locked On. (laughs) Brought to you by Built Bar. Exactly. (laughs) James, we're not the ones getting any money from Milk Bar, so stop it. I can send some to you. <laughs> well, then maybe keep going if you're going to send some chocolate. <laughs> I feel like that was a very random move. And I it think was. that, you know, not to like defend, like not to defend Ducks fans or anything, but like for all the complaints about Rob Blake and the people unhappy with how he's doing his job or whatever, at least he very clearly, he and Luke and ownership and whoever like realized that this team needed to just shed some bodies and start over again. And like, I'm glad that the ducks aren't good and don't look like they're going to be good for a little while, but like that is a team that needs a rebuild retool, whatever, and is not doing it because their front office is just like, sticking their heads in the sand i think god bless bob murray <laughs> <laughs> the, the weird thing with bob murray is that so the ducks uh, maybe not the last couple of years but a couple of years before that they kept getting close enough to the playoffs that it's like do we do we, do do we trade for somebody or do we just start off like tear it all down and rebuild like when Rob Blake came in, it was obvious the Kings needed a complete and total gut job. Um, they just needed to tear it all down and start over. But the Ducks, they just, they, they sort of are spinning their wheels. And it's like Bob Murray can't really seem to make a decision. He's sort of stuck like the team. I, I get it. I mean, do you guys remember the year of the draft when like Dean Lombardi was originally hired by the LA Kings. Um, like there was a great moment where like he's interviewed on the draft floor and the announcers are kind of like, Oh, you know, this is a team that's very much middling. Are they going to make a, a push to the playoffs or are they going to rebuild? Who knows? And then like they bring in Dean Lombardi. And he's like, nah, we're rebuilding. We're tearing it down. <laughs> like, did it in the most Dean Lombardi way ever. Like, didn't talk about neurons at all, but like, <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> yeah, like it was just like, yeah, this is the plan. When Rob Blake took over, he was like, hey, we've got some mileage left on these tires. Like we've got some tread on them. Like let's go. And like he signed Kovalchuk, and then Ugh. everything went bad when Dustin Brown breaks his hand in the mm-hmm. preseason, and all the lineup gets shuffled, and and then Carter gets injured, and Tanner Pearson doesn't score a point, like no. for twenty games, and it, it like it was just such it was bad luck, and the Kings are just like well, like we can try to push off the inevitable or we can just go for it and they went for it and i mean you know we're seeing now a lot of excitement in ontario and ontario is up and down and all that but like you know guys like kupari thomas uh, turcott kaliev byfield there's a lot to look forward to with this ford group moving forward fords Ford, Ford, James, James, James. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, there's definitely a lot to look forward to uh, or look to the future to with um, Ontario. I still feel like the back end needs retooling, but it's exciting watching Bjornfoot get more and more comfortable as time goes on. and I love how everybody just loves to crap on Drew Doughty. And I'm like, I have zero problems with Drew Doughty. Uh, $11 million, fine. Worth it. <laughs> Sean Walker, he's great. Olimata, he sucks, but oh well. Uh, I mean, there's some holes in the, <laughs> in the, in, in the, probably their third pairing defense, but could you upgrade the second pair? Ideally, yes. But that's where, you know, Ontario is a little iffy to me. It's just on the back end. You mean Curtis McDermott isn't the answer? Oh, he tries so hard, Blossom. He tries so hard, Sarah. I mean, what do you guys, I mean, that's, this is where, now that we're done with the trade deadline, we can now start trying to predict free agency. Oh, God. And... I don't want to get your hopes up, but I'm going to because a certain jazz handsy defenseman will be a free agent after the season. Oh, man. Oh, no. Oh, no. Now my hopes are up. He comes back on a really cheap deal and just hangs out. Oh, man. Yeah, man. Like he gets to be with Matt Roy again on that second pair. Like, yeah, baby. Just give me that every day of the week. He called him partner and he put it on his jersey. You remember? Yes. Remember we get partner again? Marty and partner? I would not hate that. I would have to be a really cheap deal and really like a year, maybe two. That's fine. That's fine. We can talk him into it. Maybe they (laughs) spend a lot of money on Dougie Hamilton. Yes. Okay. I love Dougie Hamilton. <laughs> oh man, I did not think it was going to elicit that immediate of a response from both of you. That's fun. <laughs> oh my gosh, Sarah, why do the Kings need Dougie Hamilton? Um, I think that he he kind of fits that model of young puck moving defenseman that we keep talking about, but 
you know, he also has the NHL experience that he's been around for a while and, and he gets, he, he gets the way it works. Um, I, I feel like the, the negatives of him, like the whole, like he didn't get along with the team cause he likes museums or whatever is all just like BS. Um, I, I think the hurricanes are going to try real hard to keep him, but you know, I, I think him like with all somewhat older players, my biggest concern would be committing to him for too many years and then suddenly you have like a 35 year old defenseman who can't move or whatever, but you know, he has been, there have been nights where he is the best player for the, the Carolina hurricanes. He has kind of a forgettable night today, but um, he, he's been really reliable for them. And, you know, right now the Kings have, you know, what in, in terms of goals from their blue line, they've got Drew Doughty, Curtis McDermott has a couple Matt Roy, I think finally Matt Roy and Sean Walker finally got like one each. And like, I'm pretty sure that's it. Uh, You know, so I I think that if if you want to get more offense coming from your blue line, um, he's a great place to start. And if they could make the money work and the term work, um, dear Rob Blake, do the thing. Now, Okay, Robin, why are you opposed to Dougie Hamilton being on the Kings? Well, maybe not like strongly opposed, but he's he is a really good player. And um, if he manages not to have any freak injuries, I think he'd be a good value. But I mean, he will be 28 come free agency. So that's where you have to start. Unfortunately, you, you got to start really being careful with how much you commit to him. And because Dougie Hamilton is one of those guys where when he's great, he is awesome. But when he's like not having a good day, he's not very good. Now, you could say the same thing of everybody and especially of Drew Doughty. Like when Drew Doughty stinks, he stinks big time. But maybe we don't want somebody quite so, what's, what's the word? Streaky. Volatile. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I think the big thing for me is uh, Dougie Hamilton plays the right side. The Kings, they're set at the right side. They have Dowdy, Roy, Walker. Like, they're fine there. They need somebody on the left side. I'm, I don't think it would be far-fetched to ask any of those guys to play on the left side other than Dowdy. Um, I mean, Dougie Hamilton makes your team better. There's not a ton of great free agent defensemen coming. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's like him and Tyson Barry, mm. you know. And uh, he's also plays on the right side. And then Martinez, who plays the left, and he just looks so good doing it. Um, James. In all facets of the word, <laughs> <laughs> he Do looks great think- with those jazz hands. Yes. <laughs> Do you think Kevin Adams can be talked out of a certain Swedish defenseman who is currently only 21? Oh, man. <laughs> like, apparently all we need to offer is like a bag of Skittles and a fourth round pick. Yeah. Like, by the Kevin Adams trades. Yeah. The, the Taylor Hall trade just completely changed every expectation I had for the Kings making a deal with Buffalo because, you know, a, I don't think I like. I don't necessarily want them to trade for Jack Eichel, but like you know, Jack Eichel, Rasmus Dahlin, any of these guys, I'm like, oh man, that like Quentin Byfield is the opening conversation for the for those those trades. Now I'm like, 
could we give them like a slightly used Austin Wagner and, <laughs> you know, like that trade was brutal for Buffalo. And uh, if that is, uh, if that is how he negotiates, um, the, the Kings should be picking up the phone to see what they can do. I mean, to be fair, it seems like Taylor Hall kind of hamstrung Buffalo, but still like Kevin Adams didn't have to accept Anders Bjork. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I think Taylor Hall, one of the things that, I think it's important to remember about Taylor Hall is like his mentor is Bobby Orr. There's a reason why Taylor Hall wears number four. Obviously he won't be able to wear that in Boston. Um, so I think he, he was going to steer everything towards Boston as much as he could. I, yeah, like Kevin Adams, like he also traded Eric Stahl, Brandon Montour. Uh, who else did he trade? He traded someone else. That I can't remember. He and gave like, up a, a lot for Eric. Like he, I think he only got like three, three picks or something back for Eric Stahl. It was something crazy. Yeah, was, and and did not net a single first round pick. Yeah. And like, he, here's the thing that blows my mind. Like, especially blows my mind. All of the picks are for this year. There's no scouts. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess if you just like were like, we can't blow it because there's no expectations with this draft class. So why not? Because we don't have anyone to look at these players anyway. So we're on equal footing with everyone else, I guess. Oh, it's freaking terrible. Why wait, am I so I angry at Buffalo? <laughs> I looked it up. I, I had to know. The Habs traded for Eric Stahl and... Um, Buffalo retained half the salary, $1.625 million, and they got, in return, a third round and a fifth round for this year. I mean, obviously, all these guys, their numbers are terrible. Like, so there is maybe this, like, being out-negotiated of just like, yeah, like, you're selling low on this guy, but I don't know. This is just... Ah, Things are bad in Buffalo. Give us Rasmus Dahlin. Kevin. Kevin. Give us Rasmus Dahlin. <laughs> oh, okay. Sure thing, Rob Blake. <laughs> sure, we'll take Brendan Lemieux. <laughs> That's right. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I, I just looked at the list of uh, pending free agent defensemen. It is dire uh so mm. i i feel like if they don't think they're going to be able to get something done in free agency with any of these guys who quite frankly i don't particularly want like yeah it's like dougie hamilton alec martinez like a lot of these guys like i don't i don't want them i don't, I don't want them at all so I, I feel like if they feel like they're going to strike out in free agency and they really want to solidify their defense it has to be by a trade and then that opens up a whole a whole new world. Hey, Paula is a, a free agent. I mean, Derek Forbert's going to be a free agent. Derek Forbert, who's been playing 21 minutes a night for Winnipeg? Uh-huh. Like, oh my gosh. Like, ha- how? How has he 
They have no defensemen. They have no. Well, I I know that, but they're also very good. Um, I mean, Winnipeg is kind of scary with how good they've been. Did they add a defenseman at all? Uh, they got Jordy Ben. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, they didn't really do much. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's hard to get guys to be stoked about Winnipeg. <laughs> I guess, but yeah, uh, Alex Goligoski, Jalmerson, Ryan Murray. Ryan Murray could be a pretty good fit, actually. I do kind of like that one. Left side, dependable, not much offensively. Okay. I mean, former number two overall pick. Um, a good pal of our friend John Rosen's. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Maybe maybe the Kings could lure Zajano Chara out west. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Man. I mean, I don't... I mean, he's been fun to watch with Washington. He's not very good anymore. No, I mean he he's not. Um, yeah, it, it yeah. Sarah's right. It, Looking at this list of eligible UFA defensemen, oh, it's ugly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I think if we aren't going to get someone for free agency, you know, to fill in on defense. I think the other need would likely be center, correct? Well, they always need center, but yeah. literally every team is always trying to shore up their center. Hello, Nashville. Nashville has been trying to get a center for uh, ever since they had Ryan Johansson. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like any any moves for center, I think, would also... Pro like, there are so many prospects in the system who our our centers and of course you know you can convert one of them to wing whatever but i feel like any any anyone who they acquired to fill that center position i feel like would have to be kind of a bridge deal sort of person because i don't think they want to lock up that spot for long term knowing that they've got byfield turcotte uh, uh what's his name akil thomas uh rasmus kapari like all these guys uh coming up uh so yeah, maybe they get someone on on a short term deal for you know two three seasons or something, but they know they're going to have to make way sooner or later for for those young guys. I mean, I'm just looking at at the guys who are UFAs for next year and like it's ugly. <laughs> yeah, but like if you still want the young guys to get plenty of time, and like you still want to have guys who are useful for your team on a on a two or three year deal. I mean, Philip Deneau or Adam Lowry, those are kind of guys or, you know, mm -hmm. if I mean, Paul Stastny, if he wants to come out west um, again, but he's he could kind be of old. Well, yeah, he's old, but a year or two and then he's gone. Right. And the kids take over full time. After the CEO is listed at center, do you resign him? Uh, it seems like they are content. He's an RFA. I, I think they're content with him on the wing. Um, you know, I, I think they need help at center. I, I have always thought that Velarde is going to be better on the wing than he is at center. Um, and hey, what he, do you think of um, Michael Granlund or Eric Halla for a year or two? I'd be fine with with those guys. I mean, like, 
to parallel it to previous Kings moves, is this the kind of like Michael mm-hmm. Hanzu's type of assignment? Mm-hmm. You know, like like where they're just like, we have a veteran, he's reliable, maybe he's not the flashiest, the splashiest, maybe we have to overpay a little bit, but oh my gosh, will he help like stabilize and solidify things in the lineup? So is this your Patrick O'Sullivan trade? Well, it's a signing, it's not or a trade. What a, but, Pat- I mean, uh, yeah, at a certain point that that's coming, I don't know who goes where I think I think we you know after the expansion draft where you know they or Seattle takes quick or Mata or Austin Wagner or Anthony Sayu or whomever and it's nothing's really drastically different for the Kings roster uh, we who knows where things go um, who knows if that trade happens at the draft? I mean, freaking it. I mean, if they could trade for Rasmus Dahlin, like, yes, please give me that every day of the week. <laughs> like, my gosh. I mean, th- like, if Buffalo is really rebuilding, maybe we probably just goes, hey, notice you don't have a second first round pick. You want one? I'm fine with giving up a first round pick for Rasmus freaking mm-hmm. Dalene. Like I, I I'm I'm getting I'm getting all riled up. You're angering <laughs> up my blood. <laughs> well, looking at um for, well, this is just a free agent list of goaltenders. Um I mean it's it's obviously not complete, but um, there's not a lot of it's it's hard to say, of course, who Seattle would take, but I just I find it hard to believe that they would take Jonathan Quick. Just personally speaking, my assumption is they would take Holtby and or Freddie Anderson. But Freddie Anderson sucks. Well, he's hurt this year, but he's been he's been fine. He's reliable. Holtby's That's super up and down. I mean, that's Anderson's a good regular season goalie and terrible in the playoffs. So you just get Anderson for the regular season and then Holtby for the playoffs. Bold strategy. <laughs> it's a bold strategy. Cotton. So bad in Vancouver. I was like, yikes! I think he misses Washington. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, there's I mean, not... who wouldn't playing in front of the Canucks? Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, their baby goalie is like their savior right now. Yeah, Demko got the he even got an extension, five years at five million. Um, Something hockey Twitter was like, huh. Okay. I think, yeah, sixty two career games. Here you go, kid. Um All right. Well, yeah. do you guys <laughs> have any last minute thoughts on the trade deadline? Besides you, Jeff Carter, it how, happened to us. <laughs> how did Detroit make the single best trade of the entire deadline? They fleeced the Capitals. That deal is bonkers. <laughs> like I would have loved Richard Panic and Jacob Varna and 
a first and a second. Yeah. Anthony Mantha. Like, we could have given you Kempe and, like, thrown in Wagner for, for fun for that. <laughs> Come on. And the fact that that deal came down, like, after the buzzer and no one had heard a peep about it, like, all day long. And then it was suddenly, like, bombshell P.S., and like whenever I first saw it reported, I only saw the players' names. The picks weren't attached to it yet, and I was like, "Well, that kind of like, you know, it's sort of a it's a hockey trade ish, like one for one and a half." Uh, Panic has been kind of in and out of the lineup, and then I saw the picks, and I was like, "What did Washington just do?" What well, I missed the picks, so they also traded on top of Verona and and Panic. They traded their first and second round picks to Detroit? Yeah. Why? Yeah. <laughs> All for Anthony Mantha? Yeah. Right? But, like, I mean, Mantha's good, but he's not Taylor Hall. Yeah. No, why? <laughs> Like, this is the kind of haul I would have expected for, like, Connor McDavid. <laughs> and even then, that would be, like, underpayment. But still, I, I would expect that sort of thing for, like, Connor McDavid. Not for Anthony. Like, no offense to Anthony Mantha or, or his family or his friends or whoever. <laughs> Not that they would be listening to our podcast. But just, like, it blows my mind. Like, I... Had. Yeah. I mean, Steve Eiserman strikes again, man. Like, yeah. also, if you're a GM much... and he calls you, don't answer. You're just going to get robbed. Mm hmm. Yeah. Also, how is Kyle Dubas so good at the salary cap? <laughs> Their salary cap wizard. Oh, I forgot his name. I think it's Luke something. Luke Brash. Whatever. Uh, he's basically their Jeff Solomon. Like, they will find... Well, Toronto actually has, like, a whole department devoted... I don't know if this is actually true, but this is what people say. That they have a whole department devoted to finding loopholes in the salary cap. And then they have, like, one guy who's just, like, a giant calculator. Yeah. Well, they put him to use. Because, man, did they make a lot of trades for a team with no cap space. Picking up freaking Nick Feligno. Uh, who else did they get? They got Ben Hutton, which was kind of random. They got David Riddick from Calgary. Like, they also, they got um, uh, Antti uh, Suomela from uh, San Jose, who was, a, I think, a pretty good player. Like, I, it blows my mind. Yeah, I think they also like weaponized some of their uh, long-term injured reserve space. And I know one of the players they acquired specifically, um, Riley Nash from Columbus, uh, I'm pretty sure that he's going right on or went right on long-term injured reserve uh, and, and helped free up even more cap space for, for Toronto. So yeah, um, first they had know, to put Fred Anderson on LTIR retroactive to like whenever he supposedly got hurt. And then they're like, okay, well, now that he's on IR, now we can add Riley Nash to LTIR. Now we can fit Riley Nash. But also, weren't they like, didn't they kick off the three-team trade spree that just happened this year? 
Yeah, they did. Because that's how they ended up with a, a couple of... Uh, they ended up with a, a Stefan Nosen from San Jose as well in the, uh, in the Foligno trade. But, yeah, and Detroit like retained 25... Well, it was half of uh, the half that um, Columbus had retained. So basically, Toronto ended up with only 25% of Riley Nash's cap hit, which that's genius. Yeah, they did a really good job. Like, yeah, San Jose weaponized their cap space to make some moves. I, I, man, I just, like, other than the Leafs still paying Phil Kessel's buyout or retained salary, I should say, um, are they, are they, they're still playing Mikhail Gabrowski? Wow. Um, like, dang, do the freaking, Maple Leafs look good. That lineup is just stacked right now. Sometimes, but then they go out and lose to like the Winnipeg Jets or the Calgary Flames. Yep. But they have been treating our boy Jack very, very yes. well. We have to mention this and then we, we have to wrap this up. Um, Jack Campbell, dear to all of our hearts, he had a 10 game win streak, which is. 11 uh, now. The record in the modern NHL. Or matches the record, I should say. Yeah. His... Well, no, he beat it. He got to 11. Oh, he did? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and oh, they are, gosh. they are obsessed with him in Toronto. Be- and they just like, they love that he's the nicest guy in the world. Oh, he is. He is. Oh, they like. You cannot find somebody who is honestly more humble and down to earth. And that was the thing that made his renaissance, if you will. So I don't even know what, what, what's the word, but just like when, when he was bad and it's like, he's not really worth his pedigree as a first round draft pick. Um, you know, people were right, ready to write him off. It's because he was taking all the criticism personally because he is so down to earth and he just wants to be that guy that everybody can rely on. And so, you know, enter Dusty Emu. Dusty Emu was like, yo, you don't need to take this to heart. Just focus on yourself. Like he got Jack Campbell out of his own head and that was sort of a match made in heaven. If you had ever oh, yeah. talked to Kat Silverman, she has the best stories about like Dusty Emu basically adopting Jack Campbell as his son. Did, Steve Dangle told a story on his podcast where like he was at the World Junior Championship and was watching Jack Campbell play for the U.S. and asked the scout in front of him like, hey, who's this kid in net for the States? And the scout turned around and he's like, that guy, he's got ice in his veins and then steve dangle goes yeah and now we know he doesn't he has gummy bears in there because he's the nicest human being <laughs> gummy bears i love it uh, i miss him and, you know the, the he said he was like he was so nice because he was like my teammates in toronto they're all awesome these are the best guys but i can't forget LA and what they did for me and all those teammates there like they were so awesome I was like Jack I'm not even on the team just like I love you 
like I don't want nice things in general for Toronto. I, I I could take or leave them doing anything useful ever, but I just I desperately want Jack Campbell to have nice things. It, it's so, it, it's yeah. I feel like any professional sport, uh, you you wonder sometimes whether or not uh, they're good people, <laughs> and uh, I feel like Jack Campbell is just universally beloved by anyone who play he who he plays with, and it, it's been really great to see to see all of the work that he did finally pay off and, and to be doing it in, you know, one of the toughest hockey markets ever. I feel like it's, you know, Toronto and Montreal are the two places where it's like, Oh boy, you gotta be gutsy to go there. And uh, he's, he's doing it for Toronto. So I am, I'm very happy for him. I don't care about his team, but I want him to have nice things. Okay. I'll leave you with this last thought. Should Toronto actually, win the cup how great would it be to see jack campbell lead the way i'm gonna go cry (laughs) well sarah thank you for joining us and i'm sorry i gave you another reason to cry but at least we can be happy for jack and jeff yes yes all right friends thank you for listening thank you again sarah for joining me and uh i don't know when we'll be back hopefully soon and the kings hopefully start winning so ta-ta everybody